I, I would say routine is always big. I, I mean, just just the daily scripture study and why that's so important, because uh, you, you really deviate if you go too long without, you know, your your daily fix of, of scripture study and things like that. Then it's it's really easy to forget. Yeah. And uh, no matter how many years you put into it, how many times you've read things, you know, it's it's really easy to forget. It's uh, so I feel like that. There's also just the overcoming hardships, you know, and trials because. Uh, you know, on, on the mission, your, your trials seem, uh, you know, now they seem a little more trivial than like, oh, you know, I just didn't get a baptism that week or something. But in the, in the moment when you're in it, you're like, man, I, I just, I, I failed this. I failed this person. I failed this family. You, know, you kind of just, you, you, you hold that weight. So I feel like the trials of it, you know, you, we're, we're, you know, the trials just get harder and harder with each year, you know, yeah. and knowing how to see through that and say, oh, the, the eternal perspective is this. I mean, this is, the life life is short and it's gonna have lots of issues and hard things. Jesus if they live righteously. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and uh, I, I uh, am honored to be able to sit down in the wee early hours of a morning. Not necessarily for you as you're listening to this, but it is for Sean Barrows and I as we talk. Morning, Sean. How are you, sir? Doing good. How you doing, Richie? I am well and excited to be able to chat with you about all things. I know that you're you're super hyped up on a book, uh, a book yep. series, technically. So so I can let the uh, the pressure, the energy off about that. That will be the first thing that we'll talk about as soon as you uh, you tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me where you live. Tell me uh, your age. Give me some context about uh, who that existential question of who is Sean Barrows. <laughs> that is that is a good question. Well, no, I, I live in uh, Utah. I, I moved back to Utah after you know traveling around and living all over the place, and uh, just settled here in Spanish Fork, Utah. One of the one of my favorite towns in in the USA. And I'm 43. I've been uh, in the music business for 28 years. So uh, I've always wanted to be you know a, a full time musician, singer, songwriter, storyteller. Uh, that's always been kind of my my passion, and and, I've, and so I've made it happen through you know whatever means necessary. But I've always had tours and albums and you know new projects to work on. So pause real yeah, quick. I mean, twenty eight, twenty eight, uh, and being forty three with my Jordan School District education lets me know <laughs> you started at fifteen. How does one find himself in the fifth in the music industry at the age of fifteen? Well, when I say music industry, I mean I recorded an album and released it and started to perform. But I wasn't like I was definitely on the outside of the industry until, you know, I, I, I joined in with Sony probably about six years later, seven years later. So. Um, so, yeah, those, those first seven years, I mean, of course, there was two years when I was on a mission. So, I don't okay. really, you know, of course, but but that, now I yeah. need to know about that. You've introduced that. Where did you go? I served in Peru. OK, big, big music scene down in Peru, Sean. <laughs> Not really. No, I. I uh, I wish I could find some music gigs down there just to just to say, you know, an excuse to go back down to Peru. But uh, I mean, from what I saw, there was, you know, maybe some musicians in the airport. And outside of that, I don't remember seeing any live musicians really anywhere. <laughs> were, you, were you able to incorporate mission, uh, music at all on your mission? I know we've had we've had other guests in here. David Archuleta who talks about how and, and yeah. that's a that's a whole different sort of scenario. But he was able to really just perform a great deal of his mission. and. Um, and his name is escaping me right now, but he has his concert every year in Salt Lake, where he talks about uh, he was able to 
just he sat at a park and played guitar to be able to attract people to talk to him to talk uh, about the gospel. Why can't I think of what his name is? Michael McLean, maybe? No, or no, no, no. Kurt Bester is who I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. When he served his mission, he just played the guitar. Yeah, we, we definitely did. Uh, we, we held our probably monthly firesides, musical firesides that we would do where we'd, uh, I, I rounded up two other singers and we kind of just did some harmonized versions of hymns and stuff like that. We, we didn't venture out too far from just the usual hymns, but you know, it was still like, yeah, here's three white guys who can sing. <laughs> <laughs> and the Peruvians are like, what, what is this? Are they in the FBI? Is this, is this a trick? Is that what this is? So, so, so you were able to incorporate some of it. How was the mission in general? Pretty good experience. It, yes, it was excellent experience. I mean, it was un, unbeatable. Just so many things that I learned from it on, on service, on growing up, on a, you know being responsible. There's so many things that you learn on a mission, uh, even just uh, on the secular side of it. You know, just how to become an adult that's responsible and contribute to society. Mm-hmm. And then on the spiritual side, of course, yeah, there's always lessons that I've that I still apply in my daily life as a dad now and as a husband. Congratulations um, on both of those. Give me one of those things that maybe you learned on your mission that you still do now or you apply now. I, I would say routine is always big. I, I mean, just, just the daily scripture study and why that's so important, because uh, you, you really deviate. If you go too long without, you know, your your daily fix of, of scripture study and things like that, then it's, it's really easy to forget. Yeah. And uh, no matter how many years you put into it, how many times you've read things, you know, it's, it's really easy to forget. It's, uh, so I feel like that there's also just the overcoming hardships, you know, and trials because, uh, you know, on, on the mission, your your trials seem, uh, you know, now they seem a little more trivial that like, oh, you know, I just didn't get a baptism that week or something. But in the, in the moment when you're in it, you're like, man, I, I just I, I failed this. I failed this person. I failed this mm-hmm. family. You know, you kind of just you, you you hold that weight. So I feel like the trials of it, you know. We're, you know, the trials just get harder and harder with each year, you know, and knowing how to see through that and say, oh, the the eternal perspective is this. I mean, this is the life. Life is short and it's going to have lots of issues and hard things. Am I to to glean from that then that the the music industry has hardships in it? I thought everyone just sort of decided and then went for it. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's no, it's it's, it's butterflies and rainbows. Okay, good. Okay, good. So my my view isn't wrong. You just were talking. So you get home from the mission. Now, I got a question about this. We talk about this a lot in the cultural hall. I'm an artistic person who loves the arts. And, you know, you and I are of the literal exact generation. I also am the same age as you. And uh, it seems in our lifetime within the church, it has changed considerably to from uh, you know, hey, you are the breadwinner that does the this, and here is the ideal to now where, you know, they're like, listen, if you got talents and we live in a gig economy where you can make these things work, you can be able to care for, just don't shirk the responsibilities. How did you make the decision now, almost 25 years ago, to come home and go, yeah, this is more than just, you know, me and two white guys singing in Peru. This is this is life. Let's do this. Yeah, I know that that was... I kind of always wondered, like, am, am I going to be able to make enough? You know, am I, am I going to be able to do it, be a breadwinner, or am mm-hmm. I going to have to at some point take on a day job? I, I always, uh, you know, avoided that as at all po- you know, possible, possible costs. There, there was the, you know, everyone was telling me to have a plan B, and I always mm-hmm. just say, I don't want a plan B because then plan B becomes plan A. So plan A is it. I, I burned the ships. I, I, I traveled to the, to the, you know, the battlefront and burned the ships. I, I um. 
I felt like I just had to figure it out. That's why I got, I did get married later. You know, uh, I was 37 when I got married. Okay. And um, I, I just took a lot longer to do the, the touring and building the fan bases and figuring things out with, with the music si- scene that I wanted to make sure that by the time I got married, I was like, okay, I, I have at least something to offer. Mm. Not just, hey, come and tour with me on the, on the couches of my friends. <laughs> well you don't think she would have accepted that offer huh babe let's do this plan i got i hold on hold on to your horses here i got this plan where i'm gonna perform it'll be seven of us in a sweaty van where we won't be able to shower very much because sometimes we'll have to sleep in that van and then when we're not we're gonna we're gonna make instant friends with people that we may or may not be able to trust and you know sleep on maybe their couch if we're lucky but more than likely their floor or somewhere else that they said, oh, you could probably sleep there and not get erupted. Would you like to come? How about you hitching your life to that wagon? Something yeah. like that, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah, I've I've uh, I've taken my wife to a few of my gig trips. And uh, of course, we had to have nice hotels. It couldn't even sure. be Motel 6 or sure. Super 8 kind of level. Like, I feel like uh, certain people just have that standard. And, and I mean, once you got you know married, she kind of expected that too, because I was already established so she's like oh he's not going to be the motel six touring mm-hmm. artist but yeah you're right like when i was 25 and, and touring then it was just it was really you know whatever you could make make work you know basically living out of your car your suitcases yeah. were there and you're just opening it up and like wherever i get to sleep i had an air mattress that would just blow up somewhere and lay down on someone's floor <laughs> so, so give me an idea uh you're, you're talking about touring and, pre- and performing and traveling and all these things are you solo act are you part of a band that uh you know is is running out there i know you've been able to perform with the likes of like imagine dragons Lindsay sterling just to name a couple that i know listeners of the culture hall would recognize but like what what what's your what's your bit are you uh what do you do uh, i i mostly do have a band i i would say usually we have a four-piece I, I've done some solos, solo tours. Um, I think my, my very first tour was solo, just me on the piano. And it was it was nice that I had that capability because mm-hmm. there were a lot of you know events and things that couldn't pay enough for a full band. Sure. Uh, so so in those moments, I was like, yeah, I can just come over there solo, or I can I have all the charts and lead sheets, and I can just find someone locally to jump on the gig as a mm-hmm. guitarist and do a duo. Um, I, I've done a lot of you know mixed ensembles, I would say, from duo, trio, uh, but the, the probably the majority of them have been quartet, you know, guitar, yep. bass, drums, and keys. Now, are That's, you piano? Are you piano because uh, you know, mom said, "Listen, we are a Mormon family, and Mormon families, you play the piano." Whether or not you like it is not a question I ask. We have that piano in that family room. You will play it. Is that is it that sort of thing? That's that's definitely how it started for sure. Yeah, okay. we were, and and my, I mean, my family took it one step farther because we were definitely like an Osmond or Von Trapp kind of family. We would really have a family perform for. Uh, we lived in Maryland and Alaska, but we were in the army, and so we'd perform for all the different churches, the Lutherans and the Adventists and the the you know Baptists and everything else. We would come as guests as a family. With my my mom would have this German guitar called a lute. Okay. And we play this German guitar and the whole family would gather around and we'd all sing. <laughs> so yeah. now does that give you an opportunity? Because you're saying that's how it, it began. And I want to get into that a little bit. But does that as you're touring to different churches, is that an opportunity for discussion within your family where it's like, hey, you know, these are different people and we love everyone? Or is it more of a we are going to their house of worship and be ready to answer questions because we'd love to 
to share the gospel with them and bring them that way. What was the interaction like? I would say we definitely went with the missionary spirit of like, let's see if we can convince them or or answer questions. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they they were also at the same time always very open as to saying like, let's just we want to understand them too and see where they're coming from. And these are all very good people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we always had that mindset of like, yes, they'll probably ask us questions because we are a little different. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, we were you know. We want to, you know, we definitely want to get to know them and, and you know, feel like we are compassionate on their scenarios and things like that. Now, is this mom and your side of the fit fa- or and your, the kids in the family and dad's like, I'm in the army, leave me alone. Or did dad join in the uh, the music? Uh, he did. He was all about it. He was actually all about it. OK. Yeah. OK. He, and- he had a, he had his hard military moments, but he grew up in a musical family himself. And so for him, it was nostalgic, I think. So is he, uh, is he and your mom, are they converts? Did they come to the church through each other? Pioneer stock. What's, what was family and upbringing like, like that? Uh, pioneer stock. Yeah. Both, okay. I think both sides, my mom's side was, was like, they left and came back. And so my grandma was the convert over there. Uh, my dad's side, it goes all the way back to like Truman Angel, who was the architect of the, uh, the tabernacle. And I think the Salt Lake temple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, uh, we, we've got, uh, yeah, on, on my dad's side, it's, they're all the pioneers. On my mom's side, there are pioneers, too. They just, you know, there's a group that left. But on her side, there's also John Taylor, who is one of my ancestors. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Kind of a fun upbringing. Let's take a break real quick. When we come back in the second block, I promise you, we are going to talk about a dystopian book series, but we haven't made it that way yet. So we'll get there. I promise you. We'll do that coming back in the second block of the Cultural Hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, remember you can always send us an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. It's a way for you to say, you know what, that's Sean guy, I really like him. Or, and the off chance that you would feel something like, you know that Sean guy, what, what the, what? You could send that in an email as well. It's contact at theculturalhall.com. You can send uh, comments about the show. You can say, hey, you know, Richie, I have this great guest. I would love for you to talk to them on the show. You could even say something like, you know, Sean said something about Alaska and you never asked him about living in Alaska. Why didn't you do that? And we can have that conversation as well. It's contact at theculturalhall.com. And that is what I want to start asking you about is Alaska, a little different. I want to know what your uh, what your life, yeah. what the gospel, all the things. What what is Alaska like for a young Sean Barrows? So I was there for junior high, and I was also there for my youngest years. Uh, so we moved away to Maryland and then back to Alaska. Um, it was it was a really pretty state. It's definitely the the last frontier. You know, there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of wilderness out there. You can you can just walk for weeks and weeks and never find a person. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a so the wildlife and the and the outdoorsy side of it, it's really amazing in those four to five month span windows where when there's, there's sunlight. <laughs> yeah, sunlight. Yeah. 
So that I mean, we we had some fun summers. I mean, I love like the the playing baseball all night long. You know, we do that where it's like the sun never goes down, so we just mm -hmm. keep on playing. Yeah. Uh, but but then on the other side of it, of course, you know, there's the flip side. And December 21st, the sun doesn't even come up. It's just a dark day. Mm -hmm. And the Christmas was always just a dark Christmas. You know, there's no sun. Um, th those were definitely the bleak winters. So I definitely wouldn't recommend visiting in the wintertime. Yeah. But uh, the, the summertime, you know, between May and September, those are the pretty months where you'll see the bald eagles. You might catch yourself in front of a bear. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's moose. The moose would come to our front yard. Yeah, moose are like dogs, time. essentially, in Alaska, right? Yeah, although they're they can be scary. So yeah. there's they're huge. I mean, they're massive. They're bigger than horses. They're probably like twice the size of a horse. And, and my my dog would bark at it fearlessly. <laughs> and I had him. a mini dachshund. <laughs> Go get him, dachshund, mini dachshund. Uh, it, was it was it a uh, difficult place where you you have artistic tendencies to be like, wait a minute, this. This Sean kid, he needs to find a different place because people aren't, there aren't a lot of people like me or didn't matter because you were a young enough kid. I, I mean, I was taking lessons and there was at least in the military, there was a really good piano teacher. Okay. So that was the one benefit there. Besides that, there weren't a lot of options for other lessons. We, you know, it was kind of, if, it, it's a lot like being in a remote small town, you know, mm -hmm. uh, there, there definitely wasn't performance opportunities outside of, you know, your own school and maybe the local college, but uh, they—it's a fisher town, you know. Still, like, I mean, they have—they have, you know, businesses and stuff in Anchorage, but Anchorage is is still a pretty small town, and there, you know, not a lot of opportunities or, or, yeah, examples there. But I would say it definitely was nice that I moved to Utah for high school, where there's at least some more opportunities and let you know teachers and things like that I could learn from. Was it a whiplash for you uh, culturally where, you know, likely if you were in a district, maybe even in Alaska, that would be a significant deal. But being a member of the church, you go from the last frontier and, you know, the, the kooky people down the street, those folks are our same faith and taking the loot to the, the Lutheran and, and Methodist church. And then you come to Utah and it's like, everyone is like me, every yeah. single person. It was. And, and this is also in the 90s where... You know, Spanish Fork, Utah was kind of that one horse town where 99.9% .9 were active LDS. Mm -hmm. You know, Sunday was just shut down in Utah County. There wasn't anything happening anywhere except for the one gas station that still sold sacrament bread. You know, there was <laughs> there was nothing else. <laughs> and, and, you know, they did. They had it right by the door. So right. The one guy could sort of slink in with his you know, sunglasses <laughs> on. I'll, I'll take one, please, and make it quick. Let's go. And then yeah. go to the church because he forgot. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's yeah, that was that was definitely a culture shock. It was also just I mean, Utah is, is not very diverse in, in race either. You know, I mean, coming from Alaska, where my best friends were Samoan and black. And and uh, and in Maryland, I'm like Puerto Rican. I, my my mm. best friend was Puerto Rican. And then I come to the to Utah, where it's like everybody's white. There's like not even yeah. you know. At, at that time, it was just the town was just all white. The school was all white, and it was just weird to to be that. Even though you know, it's like okay, I guess that's me. But it's it's still it's still just the the non diversity was always a, a whiplash. The the fact that everybody was LDS, every, all the cool kids were talking about the Book of Mormon. I was like, that was. Yeah. That was really strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like this is the, the football captain over here and the baseball captain, and they're they're going to seminary. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 
that was a, it was actually really good for me too. Cause the cool kids went on missions yeah. and that was, you know, that helped encourage me to say, Oh, it's cool to go on a mission. You know, yeah. was it a tough choice for you at all? No, I, I think it would have been if I had lived somewhere else. Yeah. I, I, I was always a little bit of a rebellious spirit in you know junior high. And even after I've always kind of had that rebellious spirit a little bit to me, but uh, being around the cool kids that I admired a lot, and I thought they were very talented and intelligent and they were going on missions. And so I was like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely going. I'm excited to go now. And it really is all about the friends you make, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. You talk about being around the cool kids. I can't imagine that there's a, uh, a cooler kid scene, you know, in the last 20 years than uh, American Idol. And you had the opportunity. Yeah. 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 That was interesting. Yeah. What is, yeah. what is that experience like? And, and your season seven. So you'll forgive me that I don't know. Are you pre or post Archuleta? Same year. Same year as Archuleta. Okay. I David, yeah. So David and I flew back and forth together. Yeah. So were you shadow cast by David Archuleta? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> no, no hesitation. Oh yeah. Yes, I, of course. I mean, I was 10 years older than him. And so I was the old man compared to him. He's the young kid, the doe-eyed kid with the, the you know, he's all the girls were, were you know, sure. crushing on him. And here I'm like, what about me? I'm also a Mormon kid. So <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. now we want to vote for him. <laughs> well, well and, and you bring that up, but I remember the media in the state of Utah, and maybe it was as he got further along in the rounds, he was the Mormon darling. I can't imagine how frustrating that might have been wrongly placed at faith being like guys look look hey same you know i got the ctr ring i'm wearing the thing you know, like all of that <laughs> i know then it went that way talk to me talk to me more about that experience i mean it was it was funny i, I just feel like uh i i thought i could be the mormon darling like you said like i thought i could just totally be you know I mean, there's room for more than one you know one piece of pie here or something like that but mm -hmm. apparently you know yeah because he was in high school he, he was allowed to be this innocent kid. Uh, it, it just made a lot more sense yeah. um, to, to get behind him. And he was, of course, also getting a lot more praise from the judges because he was the the, the type, of, type of personality they wanted for their show. They, they loved having the high school kids yeah. uh, you know, represented. And I just I didn't really represent a, a demographic because I was the, the singer songwriter trying to make it, you know, mm -hmm. and not, not, not a lot of people like me out there. Oh, uh oh. Hey. Oh, we've got a young one with us. I know. Yeah, my, my daughter came down. She's supposed to be sleeping right now, huh? It's really <laughs> early in the morning. You're supposed to be in bed still sleeping. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was still like a really cool experience, I would say overall. Just getting like that validation still, and the judges were still like, I don't know. I mean, it still gave me that. I, I when it came down to like who who they were gonna vote for, I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I had to really like I was trying to prove myself and I was competing and you know, I mean, in the end, David, uh, David had the right sound and look and things like that, that they were going for. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting uh, thing. And I think that sometimes people sort of forget this, but when you look at, at, at any of those shows and, and I think it's a way to, to, to really sort of change the way that you look at it is that um, it is that they are looking, this show has a personality, just like your sitcom has a personality and they want that particular uh, person right. or, or feel or fit. It very rarely is that person who made it this far or win. I mean, they can't do it talentless for sure, but there are, it is a multitude of talent 
and they are just sort of finding that you know that that relational fit for their program. It, it, oh yeah, yeah. And every season was a little bit different. Like some one season they they definitely wanted a rocker to win. One yep. season they wanted a, a country star to win, but they wanted they definitely like like Daughtry was the perfect fit because he was the dad. He was like the you know he had a story that he that, that he could tell and everybody could relate to. Is like oh he he adopted those the his new wife's kids and things uh-huh. like that. So it, it was something that you could relate to. They they needed that story from everybody who had a chance at winning. And David had his uh, vocal cord par- paralysis yep. that he talked about. Uh, there's you know if they if you're a cancer survivor or you know you have some things that you could tell like oh yeah I overcame this adversity to be here. They love those kind of stories, the single mm-hmm. moms and things like that. And uh, for me at that time, you know, I was just a traveling musician trying to make it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. oh, I mean, the people who could relate to me were those who were living in L.A., but outside of that, not yep. really. <laughs> Is there a fraternity of sorts of uh, American Idol folk where y'all go, y'all get together once a year at a house in West Hollywood and go, hey, how's it good? No. <laughs> Is, there, is there a connection because... You were there, or has it been so many years and so many seasons that it's like, well, okay, that was cool. He did, he did that. Yeah, I, I don't think there. Yeah, I don't think there ever really was. You know, they. I, I've kept in touch with a couple of the of the friends that I made uh, a little bit, but really, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't really. I haven't talked to David in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooke White was also my season, and I haven't talked to her in years. Also, another member of the church. Yeah, they, I don't feel like they're the musicians are really bad about that kind of thing. I yeah. feel like. Musicians are more isolated and just lonely people. Really, they they just they do their own thing. They uh, we we meet up and we we uh, gather when uh, you know when there's a, a reason for it, a specific like gig that brought us together or something. Yep. But we don't proactively seek it out and and uh, have these reunions and things. I I feel like musicians they they prefer to be by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You say uh, lonely and, uh, you know, maybe something like that. I always like the term tortured that everyone talks about the the tortured musician that that to me is is sort of a a actually pretty accurate description of the musician's journey. Right. It is always no matter who you meet, no matter how successful it is, there is something that causes them to continue to going when maybe they should have actually stopped but that they keep pushing through because they quite frankly look at themselves and go, I, d- I don't know anything else that I could be even remotely this passionate about. Yeah, right. You're mm. right. The tortured musician is a good example. It, de- definitely a good description. I feel like we're all, uh, we're all seeking for that. I, I think it's, it's a therapy for me to, to create music mm-hmm. and it's something that I rely on. And if I don't have it, yeah, what else would I do? You know, it just, it just doesn't feel like there'd be anything else. There's a, there's definitely that that constant need to be mm-hmm. creating and uh, and releasing and distributing that that uh, creation. And, so, and, and it's fascinating to me the people that don't understand that because you either do or you don't, right? There's not people that are like, I sort of get it. There are the people that go, oh man, everything that you just said, Sean, I feel every bit of that. And the other people that are like, yeah, but Sean, why don't you just do something else? I know, right? <laughs> and you're like, N- N- you clearly don't understand this. Um, yeah, right. You me- oh, go ahead. Oh no, you're, you're good. Go ahead. When you mentioned Daughtry, you uh, you mentioned uh, you know that he he uh, brought in some kids into his life, and uh, people that are Patreon saints of the Cultural Hall are entertained by your daughter as she's been performing in the background, kind of <laughs> meandering about. Uh, 
I knew I wanted to get to it, but let's get to it now. Talk to me a little bit about uh, being married now, a little later in life, member of the church, probably, uh, you know, a little bit of judgment on you that it took you that long. And then what what it's like being a dad now and doing this whole thing. Right. And I probably got more judgment being the single, older single guy for the longest time. And now it's like, oh, you're one of us again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was that like Where when you were dating? Because you said 37. So this is... Not many years ago that you uh, stepped from singledom to to marriedhood. Uh, yeah. Judgment by uh, by uh, people that you would date where they'd be like, yeah, but what are we doing? Or were you established enough that you didn't catch that? I think um, I got I didn't really feel that so much from the ones that I dated. But if I went to a, a singles ward or if I went to a family ward, especially mm-hmm. when I was like 33 and single or 35 and single, they'd be like, Wait a minute, you're still single? Well, let me let me let me set you up with somebody to fix that right away. <laughs> we gotta fix that right away. I, I know somebody who's single. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like anybody that was like anywhere co- close to a, a match to me. It was just that was the only qualification was you're single and she's single. Let's just yes. go ahead and carry on. The worst. So I do theater. Uh my sister said, Hey, I want to set you up because I got I got married for the first time at 30. And right before I met my then uh, or my now ex-wife, my sister set me up on a date and and exactly what you're saying, where she was like, you perform theater. She likes theater. You should go out on a date. And I just was like, is is that what this is? Are we doing this right now? It was (laughs) abysmal. It was the worst kind of experience I could have ever imagined. But you obviously found the one. So talk to me a little bit about that. He was the perfect fit. I mean, we we were on a music video shoot together. That's how we met. Okay. And it was just one of those, I think it was just, I, I, I didn't ever really, up to that point, I'd never done these parody videos and parody songs. It's not like, I'm a true artist. I got to be yeah. you know, pure and yeah. all that. And, and uh, just for some reason, decided to do this one. You know, I was like, oh, this seems like, I, I just want to socialize. This would be kind of a fun social experiment. So I went on this video shoot for a guy named RJ Edos. He had his Edos Media uh, a YouTube channel. And he wanted to do um, Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake. Okay. So this was in 2016. In 2016, he had this this uh, idea to do this. And, and I would be dressed up as the Mad Hatter. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was a Disney which, parody. Which typecast, by the way, as far as the uh, the casting. <laughs> right. so, so props to him. Uh, you, you got the hair. And if I'm being honest between friends, a little bit of that crazy look. So I don't think that he <laughs> That's right. Done I better. fit right in. Yes. Right in. And and, uh, and my wife was Princess Jasmine for this, which also is the right look for her because she's, okay. she's got the half Asian uh, look. So she already kind of looks a little Middle Eastern, you know? Okay. Okay. So she was dressed up as Princess Jasmine and uh, she was a dancer in this and I was the singer for it. Um Turns out that on this shoot, I not only met her, but I also met two of my closest friends from it. Uh, and it was just like this really magical shoot where like everybody became really close friends mm-hmm. and stayed that way. And uh, she was, you know, so she was dancing and we were, and I was singing in this thing and we were all, you know, all day shoots. And I, I got my my time to, to talk to her a little bit here and there. Uh, didn't really do anything other than just like, oh yeah, hey, I'm, I'm kind of staying focused to, to be the Mad Hatter for this video, but uh, you know, what do you do? And all, you know, these are the things. And then after the shoot was done, I reached out to her on Facebook and said, you know, we should hang out sometime. And then she said, well, I'm going to Florida for a few months to be in this Disney world uh, internship. Mm-hmm. She was going to, she did uh, the Disney internship thing for BYU. 
And then uh, when I get back, she said we could hang out. So as those months progressed, uh, when, it, when it came closer to the time of her coming back, I'm like, you know what? We don't need to hang out. Let's just go on a date. And I just kind of was a little more forward about it. Wow. <laughs> so like, you know, John. <laughs> yeah. And she was impressed by it. She liked it that I was just, you know, forward about it and just said, I, let's just go on a date and, you know, call it a date. You know, not not a hangout session. Not, not us kind of jamming on the piano or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, I made that excuse in the beginning. Like, yeah, you know, we could just jam on the piano sometime and you can kind of just sing along and she's not really a singer so it doesn't really make a lot of sense yeah you're like whatever i can suggest here that me say i can follow up on that in the future and then you're like let's go on a date so i have to know you know you, you pushed for it what did you guys end up doing we went on we, we went on a date so we went to this concert it was just this uh, it was a 9-11 tribute that my friend was putting on okay at the cubby center and then it turns out he also asked me to perform at it so I was, I took her to a date where I actually performed too. So I didn't really mean to do it that way. <laughs> but it, was, it, it just ended up being that way. I was like, okay, well, I'm not really trying to be pretentious here. Yeah, but right. uh, he asked me to perform. So we're already here and yep. I got to jump on the piano and sing a few yep. songs. Yeah, listen, I don't want to. I don't want to on this date that I asked you very forcefully on, but I got to (laughs) go share these innate talents and abilities that I've been given. It just so happens that you're here. So go ahead and sit here. I'm going to go up there. I'll come back. I'll be, I'll be right. Like four songs max, babe. I'll be right back. Well, probably not babe at that point. And then (laughs) come back. Yeah. But it worked. It it worked. It was, it was actually like just the right combination, I guess, because she, she was impressed by it. I didn't even, I wasn't trying to be impressive, but you know, I, just sang and played and mm-hmm. she was like, wow, this guy's really good. And I, you know, she was just really started to fall for me. And my parents showed up at the same <laughs> concert. Oh, no. I had no idea they were coming. <laughs> so they were there like, Hey Sean, who's this? I'm like, Oh, this is my date. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is my, my first date. Don't embarrass me. <laughs> you know, they, they were good about it. They read, they, they're good at reading. My mom is at least, my yeah. mom's really good at reading. <laughs> my dad, not so much, but my mom will pull him away before he can embarrass himself. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. The grace you were trying to extend to your dad. And then you're just like, actually, no, not him. My mom. My mom can really read it. And she has quick arms if he starts to say <laughs> That's something. Great. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, uh, as I was thinking about as you were talking, you know, her being the Jasmine and the whole thing. I was really I was really hoping that the follow up um sounded something like you uh either calling her up or messaging her and being like do you trust me and her saying what do you trust me and then (laughs) you take her on a magical ride on a carpet so (laughs) that would have been even better right (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh sean let's uh let's take another break when we come back i promise you we will get to a dystopian book series what because there's only three blocks to the cultural hall and that's what I want to talk about with you next. We'll come back that and do that in just a minute. Best DJ in Utah.com. It's been a while since we've had a new one of these, and I apologize for that. It's because I've been so busy DJing events all over the country, uh, but especially here in Utah. Been able to do some great, uh, you know, weddings. I've done a, a prom or two for different listeners of the cultural hall. I love it when you uh, reach out to me at bestdjinutah.com or uh, you can find the phone number online as well. I would love it if you say, hey, I heard about you on the cultural hall because maybe, just maybe, I give a cultural hall discount. Uh, All sorts of events. It doesn't have to be a, a wedding. It could be a community event. Maybe it's a ward or youth activity. 
I'm doing one of those this summer. In fact, just lock the deal down on that. Uh, whatever it may be, if you need music to accompany your event or you just need a great MC, I would love to be able to help you out. You're simply going to need to go to bestdjinutah.com. Hi, friends. Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop, and they start at only $29 a month. And it comes with a lifetime warranty. Just check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, uh, a few of you have done what I asked, and I love that you have. Uh, I would love it if you, wherever you listen to this, if there is a review option, that you tell people about the the uh, things that you enjoy about the Cultural Hall. It's a a great chance for you to give a little bit of depth to your uh, to your uh, gratitude, your adority. I'll take that word uh, of the show. Uh, people go, ah, oh, what is this cultural hall thing? And then they're able to read your words and go, oh, that's the very thing that is missing from my life. So if the platform which you listen to the cultural hall allows you to review, please take that moment and uh, and share a review so that others might join you on the back row. So, Sean, uh, Here's the thing. We've talked a lot about, you know, being in Alaska, Maryland, and traveling in the church, and mission, and all the things, and music, and then you have a book. And to me, that's like, well, wait a minute. Stay in your lane, Sean. What are we doing here? Uh, talk, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about where we went from, and it's all creative, but it is very much a different skill set to go from yeah, music to book. What, what, what are we doing? What's going on? I mean, I feel like with with my music, where where it segued more naturally is I've always been a storyteller with my music. Okay. I've also always written my own stories and things, but I just never had an outlet for them. I just kind of figured out kind of a fun little short story or whatever else. Um, I mean, actually, the very first book that I wrote was in third grade, and it was like probably all one sentence, (laughs) a hundred pages of one sentence. Sure. And then, and then, yeah. (laughs) But uh, this this time around, like I just had this idea. Like, wouldn't it be interesting if I could finally pair my music with a story? Uh, I've been looking for the right movie to do that to all mm-hmm. these years. Wanted to create a, a musical like uh, Moulin Rouge, but uh, the the opportunity never presented itself. And then I just, as as I was coming back from a a shoot with a movie, I was I was working on this animated film as the composer, mm-hmm. and um, I had you know the the creative flow was already there. I was on this flight back from Louisiana. I was sitting there staring at the, the seat in front of me doing nothing. And I was bored. And in that moment of boredom, an idea popped in my head. Like, what if, well, what, what about this premise? What about this storyline? Like, I've never heard of anybody doing anything like this. And then I, I decided to pull out my laptop and write 20 to 30 pages right then and there. Like, wow. the world building. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of, it just flowed right out. It was a very natural world building moment of here's a premise that I don't think anybody's ever done before. And I expounded on that. So when I landed, I told my wife about it and said, I have this story idea I want to try out. What do you think? And she was excited about it. Mm-hmm. She was all excited about this idea. And I decided, you know, let me let me do a little more research to see if anybody has done this story now that I'm sure. landed. And, and I couldn't find anything. So no matter how much I researched it, I found that nobody had ever really touched this the setting before the the integration of music into a world building like this based on the science of sound where people would uh you know use use their their voices as kind of their abilities their power source but it was uh me- based on sound on, on science you know on acoustics not on like just some magical magical source um like a like a fantasy this is more science fiction 
I, I reached out to a PhD in acoustics and then just started to ask him a bunch of questions like, can I do this? Can, is this possible? In a hundred years in the future, what, is it possible we might reach this? Things like that, that I was just kind of going over and over again and uh, built out this world. I took these courses from Brandon Sanderson, who's all about world building, right? Yeah. He's another, yeah. he's another local here in Utah. Um, good Mormon author. And, uh, he, he's, he's, you know, really talented at world building. And so I learned from him on like how to really expound that took courses from Neil Gaiman on uh, character building. And then I read just a ton of books from Orson Scott Card, who's one of my other favorites. And Orson Scott Card is the one who probably got me into reading and literature in the first place. With Ender's Game? Ender's Game. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Ender's Game was, uh, it's still one of my all time favorite series that I've mm -hmm. read. And, uh, and so, yeah, I would say my, in the end, my book came across as like, an Ender's game with a little bit of a Hunger's game meets John Carter of Mars. That's kind of the the breadth there. But it's a musical. It's based, you know, so a Wizard of Oz level musical, you know, mm -hmm. hero's journey kind of story. And it just uh, the music was so natural to it. I already had a lot of the songs that I could kind of adapt to it. Uh, I only wrote a couple new ones for this, but most of them were repurposed because I always just I had these songs that were already done that. I, that with in my in my opinion withstood the te the test of time. You know they they were still in my in the, you know forefront of my mind, still catchy, still songs that I felt like could be big songs, and they fit so perfectly with this world that I was building that I just repurposed a lot of them for this and created this nine song album to go with a full uh, book mm -hmm. that was you know book one of a of a five book series. So so, so when I first heard about this. Uh, and you'll forgive me, but you know, maybe I represent the thought process of other people. I was like, I don't understand how this works exactly. And this is what I, this is what I pictured. And I think you'll, you'll appreciate this is, uh, I, th I thought it was like, uh, watching wizard of Oz and then hitting play at the first lion's roar of Pink Floyd's the wall. And that yeah. would be like how I would be able to do it. Explain how you're able oh, to, yeah. because it is a written text, how, yeah. we're, how you're able to do what it is that you're talking about. Well, so this is where the preferred medium is the audiobook, And the audiobook is an easy, you know, easy answer. The musical score and mm -hmm. the songs all line up exactly. With the book mm -hmm. itself, with the written text, the lyrics are in there. And just like a Lord of the Rings. When you read the Lord of the Rings, there's, there are songs and poems in there that Tolkien in inserted, but you don't actually know what those sound like. Mm -hmm. So in my case, it's here's a here's a poem basically you can read that's you know pertinent to the story. And if you want to, you can go to Spotify or you can go to YouTube or Apple Music or whatever else and listen to the song if you want to, but you don't have to, you know. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. just it's a it's bonus, you know, bonus material at that point. But if you listen to the audiobook, yeah, you'll hear the musical score, you'll hear all the different actors. Uh you'll kind of hear how the whole world sounded to me in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so the audiobook is definitely the preferred method for me is like as I created it, I was I was hearing it the whole time more than I was mm. seeing it. But but it's having tremendous success just in written form as well. I shouldn't say just, I mean also in just the written form as well, correct? Right. It just hit number one on a few different Amazon charts this just this weekend. Which is huge. Yeah. That yeah. congratulations, man. This is a thing yeah. you've been sitting. I know and fretting and knowing, all right, is this a thing that I just think is a thing? And I know my wife loves me and she thinks it's a thing and people are coming and they're saying it's a great thing. And then you get the thing where it's like, oh, people, people think it's a great thing. People I don't know, people not in my ward, people who don't even know me 
have now yep. validated this by allowing it to be there. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks. That it's true. That is the validation is it's when the person who has no idea who I am from Ottawa, Canada or Florida or somewhere else or somewhere around the world, they say, they leave a review and say, I love this book. I, I shared it with all my friends. I'm like, who are you? I don't even know you. <laughs> I didn't pay you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> In the creation of it, um, we, you know, I've sort of mentioned, and and people will always do this. It's a, a dystopian book. You know, they they like they like to put it in a in a, a category and a category and a, a sentence. Yeah. Uh, when you're thinking about this, how how much of the thought that hey, one day my kids will enjoy this uh, went into the work? Yeah, I, definitely. I, I feel like. That was a big, uh, a big inspiration was just the idea of one day I'd love to have this story to tell when they can understand it, you know, and yeah. in maybe four or five years, my, my four year old's my oldest and, and uh, she would uh, probably understand it better when she's maybe nine, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. nine or 10. It's, it is a little bit, it's definitely a teenage book, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 10 year olds have been liking it too, that if they're like advanced three or 10 year olds, okay. but really it's kind of geared toward that middle school, high school age. And yeah, I, I would love for it to be uh, even a you know a, a bigger series by that point. All five books are done, and they can you know maybe there's there's some movies made already for it. Where that's the goal is to make it do a you know big budget film sure. at some point. Uh, I mean, I love following the Lord of the Rings model of like let's get you know our five hundred million bucks and make all five movies at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just that easy too. So I'm sure. That's, yeah, yeah I, well, I figured you knew some billionaires. You could just Yo, sure, sure. Now. And you know some. We'll get them together and and we'll present the project. It's it's uh, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. That's incredible. So first, so first one is done, receiving uh, tremendous success out in the world. But you've committed to a five part series. That that seems like, yeah, that that is uh, that that's a lot. <laughs> It's daunting for sure. I mean, the only way to really embrace something like that is just to say one step at a time. Mm-hmm. Every day, I'm just going to do a little. And, and I like that the the nice thing about having it open like this is I, I change up what I do every day. One day, I'll just say I'm going to I'm going to work on chapter four, sure. and then the next day is like I'm going to work on the overall outline, and then the next day will be I'm going to work on this particular character's arc, mm-hmm. and that's it today. And I, I love that variety of me being able to change and switch gears because it. It just itches my, it scratches the itch in my brain every day mm-hmm. of like that creative itch that I've got. Like, okay, today I can just do it this way. And, or today I'm going to write a song. You know, that's the other thing is because it's a musical, I could just say, I've got a groove right now. I'm just going to, you know, run with this groove for a second. And yeah. which character will sing this one, you know, and that sort of thing. So it's it's kind of fun to, to have all those different angles to hit from to, you know, produce this overall outlet and create the story like now we've got you know uh, artwork to go with it so people can see what the characters look like yeah um and there's uh we're, we're working on music videos next i want to get some music videos shot uh we're going to do some events uh balls there's going to be these dance dancey balls elegant balls that we're going to go to that that will you know introduce characters and things like that and anyway so it's it's a whole world building fun thing that we're we've been kind of maximizing now and and uh, it's it is it is really fun to see the audience slowly growing with new people saying I've read the book I finished it and like the most recent one even though it's it is my niece my niece is uh, not a reader and she her parents keep saying like we really want to get her to you know read more mm-hmm. she doesn't really read that much and she read my book twice already and she read it the, wow. and then she consumed the audiobook in two days because she was so excited and she's fourteen she's 
perfect uh, audience for us. Yeah, perfect age yeah. to not like things. So you know that it's a real feeling that she did it twice. Like they're yeah. having a teenager say, oh, I like that. You're like, what? I know, <laughs> especially because it actually discounts you. Like when your family, yep. they they want you to be uncool. Yep, yep, <laughs> like, yep. So, so for to be the cool uncle who has the book that she is excited and telling her friends about, we're going to actually have her on some TikTok videos with my wife to do some videos together where she could you know, tell people like what she likes about it and stuff. Uh, it's, it's pretty fun to hear that too, just to see like, Oh, it's, it's making a difference on uh, some people close to me too, where it's not just, they're, they're, they're not just telling me that for, for my sake, you know, mm-hmm. they're, uh, they're just giving me an honest, an honest opinion and response. You know, with anyone uh, who works, you know, their spouse is always a tremendous support to them. Uh, I mean, you for her, her for you, but it's a little bit more with, her for you within this book and that she she's a character yeah she's the she's the inspiration for the main character and she also right now dresses up as the main character so we have a full costume and you know jetpack and everything else for her to wear and uh every every monday wednesday and friday she goes on tiktok live uh-huh. and she goes to her fa- to her fan base and she just talks about the book for two hours every time wow, wow. And how is that for her, for you, for you, for her? How is that? What's that like? That, that seems like that is, Hey, we've got to do this. We've, this is us together. Let's go for it all together. How is that? There, there are definitely the days where I have to encourage it, but most of the time she loves it. You know, she, I mean, but of course, like when you do something three times a week, you're always going to have those moments where it's like, I'm tired. I don't want to do this today. And Mm -hmm. for me, I have to just remind her consistency is everything with this. Mm -hmm. Our, Our viewership keeps growing when we do it consistently. And, uh, and then as soon as she goes live, she sees all her friends again. These are all yeah. the people that she keeps talking to. And there's like 40 or 50 people that are, that keep coming back every time. Mm-hmm. And so there's the, 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 the usual audience. They're like, they've already bought the book. They've already read the book. They've already shared it with like four or five of their friends. They've already got like multiple copies. You know, they're, they're the, uh, the super fans right now. Mm-hmm. So she mm-hmm. has a, a group of super fans that are uh, really involved in this story. And, they, and they're and they growing a couple people at a time. With each live, we add maybe one or two new people to that group. It's awesome. So we're, we're, I just tell her, like, we'll, we'll keep doing this until we have a 1,000 super yeah. fans. And then you feel like if you have a 1,000 super fans, you're pretty much solid across the board. You can release just about anything, and it'll pay for itself, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's tremendous. What a cool undertaking and, and have, you know, the, the idea of your kids one day reading it and your wife working alongside you in the capacity that she does. And, you know, this this massive undertaking of a five, do you ever wish you would have said three? It's a three part series. Why didn't I say three? Why not? four? (laughs) Why did I I say five? Why was this the thing? (laughs) You know, yeah. uh, Sean, there's three questions we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall, and I will ask those questions of you now. The uh, The first question is, Is uh, do you have a calling, sir? And if so, what is it? I'm the organist. I'm pretty much the permanent organist. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've always had either the primary pianist or the organist calling. Sometimes I'll get the choir director. I usually try to push against that one as much sure. as possible. Sure. Like, I don't really, I don't want it to be the choir director, but... The organist and the primary pianist, they're like kind of my eternal calling. <laughs> now, now, so. with, now with the organist, so in my ward, uh, I, I'm not sure who it is. I, I'm, I'm sort of new in my ward, um, but there is a, a like a world-renowned uh, organ teacher that is in my ward. So several of the people that oh. were born and raised in our, our ward uh, are also still in our ward. And so we have like organ concerts 
with just singing the hymns where they just go all pedals, both hands, for the third verse or the fourth verse, the final uh, verse. They kind of keep it straight. Do you uh, do you uh, get a chance to let that creative flow happen in, or do you keep it pretty, pretty? Oh, I do. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they they knew what they were, they knew what they were getting when they called me. Yeah, I, I even told them up front, like like I need to add rhythm. Uh-huh. I need to add things to this. It's uh-huh. it's a. Uh, I'll tell you later, okay? I, I need to. So, uh, the, the the thing that I do always is uh, is the prelude on piano. That's my my main thing. Is I, I love the organ too, but the piano is still my my beast. You know, that's my sure. my second ha- pair of hands. And uh, so when I when I do prelude. I just kind of go off and do whatever I want to play. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's an original thing. Sometimes I, I morph it into a hymn. Uh, sometimes I'll play some musical piece like uh, Climb Every Mountain might, <laughs> might pop in there or something like that. Uh, I, I feel like these are songs that are inspirational, so they fit. And then uh, same thing with the primary, although the, the piano in the primary isn't as nice as the grand piano in the chapel. Sure. So sure. I'll do a lot more in the chapel. And they always comment on it. Everybody... Uh, I don't mean for them to be, you know, for me to be showy about this or anything. I'm just trying to, you know, do my calling the, to the best of my ability and all that. But I definitely get a lot of praise for it. And I, I feel like I, I like doing service where I don't get praise too, because I, I get a lot of praise for this service. And that's nice. It's really, it's it's great for them to do that. But I, I definitely make sure that I seek out other service opportunities too that are quiet, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. If you could pick a calling for yourself, this is question number two. If you could pick a calling for yourself, uh, whether that means making one up or picking one that already exists, what would you pick? Um, I mean, I, I actually would love to do a real choir with a stake, not like like an auditioned choir, uh-huh. like a multi-stake audition choir role. That would be more enjoyable to create like that, kind of like what uh, Gladys Knight has done in a mm-hmm. way. Like that's that sort of thing where we can have some real rhythm and, and soul to it. I love that. I do love Baptist choirs. I mean, it's hard not to love Baptist choirs. And I I would love to see if we could bring more of that into our church, more of that um, passion and soul and rhythm, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, other than that, like, I mean, uh, a calling that I would enjoy, uh, I I would actually enjoy doing some uh, youth speaking uh, where maybe a counselor or something like that for the youth. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do like speaking to the youth quite a bit. Yep. That's coming as your kids get older. I guarantee it. Uh, I see. And what I'm pushing for, as you were talking, is I want, uh, I want a Barrows family reunion tour where, uh, mom breaks out the loot and all the kids from all over the world, you, you come and do all the stake centers in the uh, Spanish war. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. The final question that we ask everyone, uh, we ask you to interpret it however you would like, but the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? Uh, I would I would definitely go with the music side of it. For me, music is an angelic language. And so I when I compose and when I listen to music, I do it from a spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it's a way for me to communicate. So for me, that's a, a spiritual, that's kind of how the Holy Ghost communicates with me is through the music channels. Uh, besides that, I do love um, how, I mean, the Book of Mormon gives that, you know, some more specifics to it because music can be very flowy and ethereal uh and and the book of mormon can be more concrete you know Mm -hmm. like that's the uh that's the the foundation upon which it all you know flows and um i mean i guess there's there's that there's there's a few little elements but i mean yeah i would say the personal revelation that comes through music is my personal favorite and i would say that's 
you know, the foundation of that is the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sean, uh, tell people if they want to read or, as you say, listen to the thing. It's created to be an audiobook. How uh, We'll leave a link, obviously, in the show notes, but if people are just sort of listening to this and, and want to casually go after it now, tell them how they can get uh, this book and be able to follow the updates and the things with your wife. Tell us where we can find you. Climb up on the Ramiumptum and tell us all of the things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you just follow at Sean Barrows, you know, that's where we'll we'll keep all the updates on Instagram is, is where we do a lot of the posts, TikTok, uh, Facebook, you know, at Sean Barrows. Um, the book, The Paradise Planets, it's on all the platforms. I prefer Spotify. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to listen to the audiobook, we get paid more. And the and Spotify just treats authors better. So I would say go to go to Spotify and download it there. It is on Audible if you want to use that. Audible isn't as kind to authors, but we still, you know, it's still something. So if you if you're already going to be using Audible, then yeah, go for it. But just look up the Paradise Planets on any platform that you use and download it that way. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Uh, and then yeah, at Sean Barrows uh, or ParadisePlanets.com is our website. Any of those things. Yeah, yep. do it. We'll leave links to all those in the show notes. Uh, Sean, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body and that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week and that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast will be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. 